We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1991 classic, Hook. Hook, Hook, where's, where's the hook? Hook, Hook, Hook. All right. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> we are reviewing this movie uh, largely in memory of Robin Williams. Uh, there was a really, really cool tribute to uh, Robin Williams uh, celebrating the 25 years since Hook uh, was made, originally being released in December of 1991. They celebrated it on the two-year anniversary of uh, Robin Williams passing. Uh, if you uh, want to check out our show notes, we actually have a link to that uh, thing, and it's it's just really cool. A lot of the cast of the Lost Boys got together and did a photo shoot as their younger characters, and it was it's a it's a blast to relive. I can't believe the costumes still fit. <laughs> they did an amazing job recreating those costumes, though. Yeah, because seriously. E- even if you don't know the Lost Boys name, you can be like, oh, it's that one. Yeah. <laughs> so to give you guys a little bit of background about this movie, uh, the movie, like we said, was released in 1991, but it was originally conceptualized way back in the 80s. It was originally imagined as a a Peter Pan piece starring Michael Jackson. Um, wow. And Michael Jackson, the abridged version is like Michael Jackson didn't like the idea of Peter Pan growing up but not remembering being a kid, premise-wise, so he was out. And so years kind of went on, and Spielberg was in the project and then went out when he had his firstborn uh, child and then kind of got brought in later on. The script basically was written... um, The script was originally to be written and directed um, by a different director, and then the director (laughs) got... Um, bought out basically uh, by the studios. They said, but we think Spielberg would do a good job with this. And they paid him $500,000, like half a million dollars. And then Steven Spielberg got into the project, which is wow. that, that's, that's my, it, Hey, listen, if anyone wants to take over the podcast, uh, the, the, the number is 500000 thousand dollars half a million they paid him half a million dollars not to work yeah <laughs> and uh and so basically um and sorry that was nick castle that was the name of the guy so originally the film had a shooting schedule of 76 days for a budget of 48 million dollars uh but because production took longer it ended up expanding to 116 days um raising the uh price 80 million dollars so they started production, and this is the thing that I can't really understand. And maybe there is a miscalculation here, um, but based off my research, they started production February of that year of nineteen ninety one, and it was released December, which I feel like has to be wrong, unless just time doesn't work the same way, like in Neverland. They started production in February and ended in December. Released it in December. Yeah. There's a lot of special effects in this. There's a ton. Well, that's the other interesting thing. They spent six months prior to production building out, like, several sound stages. So, you know, you see all these big boats. Like, there's a really cool video online if you type in, like, hook, 
behind the scenes featurette. Um, they show like the construction of the ships. Like they actually built out these ships in the pirate town area. Cool. So like these are actual ships that like have like layers and decks and things. And so you just see this like land of pirates, and it's just all like an actual little town. Like they basically made. Uh, several sound studios of like small versions of Disney World. <laughs> like it was just super involved. And the movie originally was going to be a musical. Yeah. So the two musical numbers wow. that we got, the musical number at the very top and then the daughter singing in the middle, um, were the only two songs that made it into the movie. Uh, several other songs were scheduled to be a part of it, but what was the musical number at the top? The play that the kids yeah. are putting on? Yeah, the oh, one in the okay. play. Um, one of them cut was, um, hey, why is grandma so close to dad? Uh, <laughs> that was one of the cut songs. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, overall, the movie uh, was a commercial success. Uh, re- released December 11th, earning $13 million in its opening weekend, grossing $119 million in North America and 181 in foreign countries, totaling worldwide total of $300 million. Fifth highest grossing pirate-themed film behind all four Pirates of the Caribbean. See, now that's not fair. That's <laughs> not okay. That should be one thing. <laughs> I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean like, is its own category. Yeah, those are chapters of the same movie. Yeah. So basically, not including Pirates of the Caribbean, it's the highest grossing pirate-themed film. There you go. And so um, Steven Spielberg uh, actually ended up being really disappointed with the final result of the movie. He felt like the whole movie leading up to before they get to Neverland, he felt very satisfied with. But most of Neverland, he said he was never really happy with just because... Looking at it retrospectively, he's like, man, I, I feel like I could have been more creative with how he laid out Neverland. And uh, especially with the Lost Boys, he's like, I don't know, like make it a, a red tree. Like, is that maybe do that? And that's like how he um, that's how he saw it. And so that's the main thing that made him like not completely satisfied with the project. Um, and the main saving grace, though, he says, is that. Um, Robin Williams and becoming friends with Robin Williams was like his favorite thing about this film because this is the first project they worked on together Um, and he said that he's thankful he met the film because that's how he met his really good friend and uh, after the passing of Robin Williams he tried watching the film um, and to remember him and he just he couldn't make it through the movie without crying I Uh, tried so hard not to think about that while watching this movie again um but it it's tough. It's hard to remove them. Um, actually, just yesterday, I read a quote by Heath Ledger where he was talking. He had said that people will remember him by the movies that he made. And I, I think that's true of Robin Williams as well. And this is a great example of his um, his range mm-hmm. and the the light that he is able to spread. And his smile is just infectious. So... Oh, absolutely. Um, if for nothing else, so glad that this movie was made as a time capsule um, for that little bit of Robin Williams. Absolutely. Yeah, like that moment in in Hook when, when he finally had his happy thought, and he's just like, 
I have a happy thought. And he's just like flying. Like that, that got me. Like I was just a mess. I was just like, okay, great. I'm just going to, I'm just going to cry during hook. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happened. As it was just so good because he he made that switch and uh, and it, it just it's just great like you can just see why he was chosen because sometimes they'll do the uh, celebrity casting just like oh let's let's put a celebrity in the movie you know who we really want for uh, for the Secret Life of Pets Louis C K like they'll they'll just get like a big name in a movie but like he was like the perfect role uh for peter panning like i he 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 really did i i i just believed him like like when he made that switch over into like i'm peter pan i believed him and Mm -hmm. um and same with dustin hoffman uh every single time i see dustin hoffman in as hook i'm like no that's hook like that's that is hook Hook is doing a Dustin Hoffman impression. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly that. It was just uh, the actors in this film just have, like, they just have a blast. And it's so good to see. Um, last time I saw the movie was actually, I was babysitting. Um, some, uh, my wife and I were babysitting uh, a work friend of hers, his kids. And Hook came on. Like, hey, kids, let's watch Hook. And the first like scene where like the kids were getting abducted, the kids were just sobbing. Like they were just unconsolable because they, they were so terrified. Oh yeah, I mean he's a scary villain. Yeah, I, I think even scarier rewatching it, knowing how psychological Hook is and damaging these kids. Oh, he, like yeah. picks their psyche apart and makes them forget things about their past. And was like, I don't remember this guy being <laughs> like this. I thought he just had a hook for a hand. Yeah, exactly right. Another interesting thing, actually, some few fun facts. Uh, so Maggie Smith, um, famously born older, um, <laughs> she's got Benjamin Button disease. Right, uh, she's actually in her twenties. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing I love. She was 56 at the time of filming and was aged up to look 92. What? Yes. She was aged up in that movie. So she was 56 in the um, movie. So this is the thing. I was just like, she was aged up to look how she does today. Like she doesn't look 92, but she looks exactly like she does today. Like that, A lot of that was makeup. I... I... I'm blown away by that. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. I was looking at it and being like, how has she totally frozen the aging process for 25 years? Yep. Yeah. And uh, wow. and then we, uh, <laughs> in addition to that, um, I know this has probably been a thing that people on the internet have known, but the pirate um, at the very beginning who was shut in the boo box was mm. Glenn Close. Yeah. That part always freaked me out. This is the first time rewatching it since learning that. Mm-hmm. It freaks me out even more now. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Something about the teeth, I think. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 last time I saw it, it was still I think in its original format, so it wasn't as like HD. But this is the mm. first time where I was like, oh, I can see Glenn Close. Like that's obviously Glenn Close. Yeah. 
but she's such a good actress. Well, actually, the day before I watched Hook, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. So I had like Glenn Close default in my head already. And then like looking for it in, in Hook, just being like, oh my goodness, she's just so good. Yeah. Like it's not like, hey, Glenn Close dressed up like a pirate. How silly <laughs> is this? It's like, no, this pirate's about to die and it's begging for its life and it's terrifying. Yeah. Because it's got scorpions. Yeah. And um, and we were just briefly talking about this before we started recording. There's another special guest who we didn't even recognize. I can hear it calling in the air Philip Collins. He was the police officer um, who like came in and took the police report, like makeup and everything, like completely. Uh, unrecognizable and i don't know if you noticed the captain speaking uh, at the very beginning of the flight which is that was dustin hoffman oh yeah oh yeah oh (laughs) and here this is maybe my favorite fun fact that i found out so that flight that they're flying they're they're flying in a plane that's like called pan am um so they're fine oh i get it yeah they're Flying Pan Am to London, and Pan Am went out of business in December, like one week before the film actually came out. Oh, that's not what you want. Yeah. So that happened. I was just like, listen, things aren't looking good, but but there's a Spielberg movie. If we can hold out for that, maybe, just maybe. It was too late. So close. Tripped at the finish line. (laughs) Uh, And... More fun cameos. All of Dustin Hoffman's children made cameos in the film. Max Hoffman plays Peter at five years old. Uh, Jake Hoffman is a Little League player at Jack's game. And Rebecca Hoffman plays Jane in the play at the beginning of the film. Oh, that's cool. Dustin Hoffman also put his granddaughter twins in Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Little Sunny, she is uh, the Hoffman twins. Oh, yeah. Now, Julia Roberts, also in it as Tinkerbell, and she uh, she's so good. I didn't yeah. realize when I was a kid that Tinkerbell is trying to be a homewrecker, but <laughs> the performance is great. Yeah, no. Uh... <laughs> Especially since everything she does has to be on green screen. Like, she's not really in the scene with everybody. Yeah, it, actually, the scene where she grows human size was written to appease her because she demanded that she at least had one scene with another actor. Also being a little more educated now than when I saw it last time, Bob Hoskins never made the connection. I always loved Smee in this movie. Even when I was a kid, he was one of my favorite parts of it Yeah, just because he like feels for the children at really interesting times and he's at the end and, and all of his dynamics. But never knowing, like, hey, that's the guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and hey, that's Mario. Yeah, what? like that blew my mind. Like, uh, I was showing it to my, I was showing uh, that Bob Hoskins was Shmi, and she's like, he looks nothing like him. He, he transformed. Like, he looks like a completely different. And, and again, like he's another character. I'm like, no, that's that's Shmi. Mm-hmm. Is, is it Shmi or Smi? Smee. It's uh, Shmee. Well, it depends on where you went to shul. <laughs> uh, can I get my bagel with some Shmee? Yeah. Shmee. But Bob Hoskins uh, 
Guy's a chameleon. Oh, gosh. He's so... Mario Mario. <laughs> gosh. Whoa, Mario Mario. Let's have a Hoskins-a-thon oh, and I'd just watch only that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, that is a lot of history and some kind of backstory into the production of the movie. Let's get into our reactions. Uh, so, Grayson, when was the last time you saw this movie? I think the last time I saw it was late high school. Okay. It's been it's been a while. Yeah, like I said before, like last time I watched it uh, is probably like 3 years ago. Um oh, when yeah, I was babysitting. But like the first time I saw it since like childhood was that time. And when I saw it, I the biggest thing I realized was oh, like they're in London. <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> like, like as a kid, I'm just like, oh yeah, they went to go visit Aunt Wendy, like in Cleveland. Like I didn't realize that they right. were in uh, London. And I was like, oh, that's right, because that's also where Peter Pan takes place. Like that's just locationally, I had no concept of that. Like I was just like, oh yeah, well she's just old, and that's what old people sound like. They sound like English people. Uh, one of the other things I actually noticed this time was how um, it, it was actually from a uh, kind of summary of the film, but just talking about how, you know, as Robin Williams uh, or uh, Peter Banning, the biggest thing in his life is as an adult, he's all work. And as Peter Pan, he's all play. And like the whole theme of the thing is him finding the balance between the two. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't pick that up until this time watching it because uh, one of the elements I forgot was a thing in Peter Pan was that like Neverland messes with your memories. And so like when you go to Neverland, you start forgetting things about the real world. And when you go back into the real world, you start forgetting things about Neverland. And that's a thing I never picked up on. Yeah. It's pretty subtle. Yeah, because, like, the daughter says, like, Neverland makes you forget. Like, that's why Jack is so easily swayed or um, persuaded by Hook. He's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Go home. Oh, yeah, my sister. I have a sister. I gotta go. <laughs> then they're like, no, home run. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm here. Like, And why once uh, Peter Panning switches into Peter Pan... He's like, hey, yeah, no, I'm here. Like, I'm here to, like, never grow up. And, like, no, you have kids. He's like, Peter Pan doesn't have kids. Like, I, I that's something that, A, as a kid, I just didn't understand what was happening anyway. Yeah. Um, but, like, I now see, like, oh, so, like, they can't stay here. Like, they have to, like, rescue the kids and go back. And so it, it was just, like, a cool thing that I did not pick up on as a kid or even, like, the last time I watched it. It's interesting because he's only reminded about the kids by Tinkerbell. So if she didn't tell him, she could have just been like, do, 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 do. Hey, Peter, hang out here forever. Yeah. But she didn't. But she still pursued a married man <laughs> and kissed his face. She did. Tinkerbell resume includes flying, uh, you know, stopping hooks with her bare hands, uh, and home wrecking. Home wrecking. Yes. Sir. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like when, like right when Hook was about to stop, like kill Peter Pan, Tink just like holds, just stops the hook. I'm like, Tinkerbell is strong. Yeah, like that's her bare hands. What if that hook had just destroyed her? <laughs> Would have been a very different ending. Would have been horrible. Just <laughs> like, and then no, 
all of her magic fairy dust energy just exploded and tore Hook apart, particle by particle. <laughs> there you go. Oh wow, that's that's great. I feel I think I've seen that in the anime once before. Hook just grabs her with the other hand like it's an infinity stone, and his <laughs> face disintegrates. I was interested because when I watched this on um, Hulu, not a sponsor, but the thing I noticed this time was I every other time I've seen it has been in a non HD format because um, this time I started seeing the strings a little like the green screen is the only thing really that doesn't hold up as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that's, that's really just the thing that doesn't hold up as much as like, sometimes you can just see like the green screen silhouette of like them flying. But I was um, watching some things online and it's just like, Hey, here's like an uploaded VHS version of this featurette. And it looked amazing. I'm like, Oh no, like that's what I remember seeing as a kid. Like, Oh wow. Peter Pan's like actually flying. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting just to see like how that format changes and i guess i can kind of see like why and i'm sure people will hate me for saying this but i see why people would want to update their technology from um the special effects like sorry for bringing up george lucas but like how he redid special effects for star wars because he wanted to like add on to it and for it to kind of hold up a little bit more hmm. Oh, but it's, it's only with those really wide flying scenes that that really is applicable. It's interesting because the um, Neverland map that they keep flying over mm-hmm. looks very much in the Disney style. Right? Yeah, I was super impressed with that because I, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it looked, because I, I thought that was a Disney film as a kid growing up. And I was like, oh, this is a live action sequel uh, to the animated Peter Pan because they, they just point out so many different iconic things and features of um, that version of Peter Pan. And it's, it was just really, really good. Yeah. I think my favorite scene, maybe in the entire movie is, um, it's the scene where they are training him. Um, Pretty much anytime they're in the lost boys, like arena, I just love that play that they have between the characters. Yeah. Um, like the iconic scene where he's like uh, pretending or where they're just eating nothing. Just the kids' reactions and just everything is just so much fun. Uh, I love the like that the scene when they just start that giant food fight. I remember in that moment, the first time I saw it, I was like, I want to get, I need to get into a food fight because that looks like the most fun ever. <laughs> like, I remember in high school, there was about to be a food fight and I was like, my time has finally come. It's going to happen. And it didn't happen. So I've never been in a food fight, but because of Peter Pan or because of Hook, uh, that's something I want to add to my bucket list. I just decided right now. Yes. Well, uh, food fights are an exclusively first world type of fight. <laughs> um, you know, food's a necessity. You don't go throwing it around. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll settle for, uh, I guess, a paint run like those uh, big colors of paint. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I fun. feel like I feel like that would be a close second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah. 
Come on, let's let's be reasonable. It's like I, I live in Los Angeles. We're not having squirt gun fights. You know? Water is precious. <laughs> oh man, guys, you know what? Let's just take this water and just throw it at each other. There's a trout. Yeah, we thought Mad Max Fury Road was a documentary. <laughs> Kind of our version of inconvenient truth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was something really magical about this movie, too, that was unlocking memories for me the way that like Peter's memories were being unlocked. Because yeah. when I saw his sword, I suddenly remembered I had that sword when I was a kid. Um, it was it was meant it was a hook merchandise sword hmm. where it, it has that cover. It's kind of like a half coconut looking. Uh, hilt. Yeah. And then it has the uh, bronze plastic um, actual part, like the stabby part of the sword. These are all technical terms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, there was a bell inside of it. So every time you hit something, it sounded like you were hitting it against metal. And I loved it. I used to like climb trees and jump out of trees with it. (laughs) It was such a cool toy. Um, But I... I would have maybe never thought of it again without rewatching this movie. Yeah, that was such a cool uh, scene. Like when they were uh, when he sliced the coconut in half. Mm-hmm. I thought that, like that whole scene. I was just like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And I didn't pick up on the it being a coconut hilt until the final scene when they're like battling. I'm like, "Is that hilt made of a this thing? It's it's this is perfect. This is such." The attention to detail is just amazing. So good. And uh, it's just like, because I think the story, there's just so many different um, details that they have, like, woven throughout the movie. Um, like, the fact that Wendy had, like, opened up an orphanage. The thing that I wasn't sure about that they were saying is that, like, if all those orphans were lost boys or not. Um, or if it was just like a real world orphanage that she opened up and like got people connected to families. I, I couldn't tell that, but that's definitely something that I didn't acknowledge as a kid that like, oh, that's why they're in London is to because she's being acknowledged for this reward. I just as a kid just was just like watching it and just waiting for Hook to show up. Looks like Toodles was probably the first one. Mm hmm. The uh, okay, so I forgot to mention this. Uh, so there is a speculative rumor that uh, Don't Ask got his name because his character didn't have a name when they began filming. Uh, and so he continually asked the director, Steven Spielberg, about his name until one day he just said to him, Don't Ask. <laughs> and then he's credited as Don't Ask. It's like, okay, great, great. That's my name. Don't ask. That's great. So, Ricky, all of these Lost Boys have pretty interesting names. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, like, Thud Butt, <laughs> Too Small, Latch Boy, Don't Ask, Toodles, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Pockets, Ace. I don't know why I'm still reading. No Nap. <laughs> um, additional Lost Boy. Uh, so I think I went to school uh, with him. <laughs> oh, uh, he, oh, he was the twin to the other additional Lost Boy. Um, so the game is, what would your Lost Boy name be? Ooh, that's good. All right. So like me now or me like, as a kid? Uh, Let's say you as a kid. Okay. Oh, man. 
man, what was I as a kid? I was just weird. I, I'd say, because um, I watched a ton of TV and I loved like reciting things from TV and movies, I would I would be called quotes. Quotes, that's a good one. I, I like it. So I would just like just have all these, just a catalog of just movie quotes. Think Abed for community, but a kid. Nice. So if I were to currently be a lost boy, like just like go back to be a lost boy, I would love to be, I would love to have the name Hats. I feel like that Hats. Could, oh, I feel like yeah. that could be a cool lost boy name. That's that's good. Or season one Luke from Modern Family. <laughs> Dang it, Ricky. <laughs> it's not what this is about. I just think it would be a great Lost Boy name. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? It's catchy. It's pithy. Um, I, I think as a kid, my name probably would have been like Gooseneck or um, Gangles. <laughs> Gangles? <laughs> Gangles, because I'm all gangly. <laughs> yeah, I I think now my um my lost boy name would probably be 401k. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, everyone, 401k's in the building. Because I work in human resources. <laughs> oh goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> So yeah, let's go ahead and head on into headcanon. Arm the cannons. <laughs> so headcanon is the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. First headcanon about all the clocks. So in then this is another thing that I didn't realize. They said, hey, all adults are pirates. And that was like a fact that um, Rufio said to uh, Peter Panning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting because my guess is that, and this also like, there's this huge conspiracy, including the clocks. So the thing is this. So none of the kids in Neverland want to grow up. If you do grow up, you become a pirate. So I feel like unless you maintain that, childlike uh, mentality you just stay a kid but it's once you actually like mentally shift into um adolescence or adulthood kind of thing um or from adolescence to adulthood that you actually do start to grow so when he travels to the real world back to neverland uh there's like a time difference because you know they said hey give me three days but it was just overnight right Mm-hmm. I think that Neverland just exists in a r- different pocket of time. Um, but not only that, but just like once you do mature or escape into or like, I guess if the Lost Boys can kick you out, you do just become get recruited as a pirate. But you're still very much a kid. Like all the pirates, if you look at them and all of their the way that they interacted with each other, and especially how they fought. Like, they don't have any formal training. Like, they're just kind of fighting. Like, they're being stopped by eggs. Like, <laughs> like oh, man, yeah. these eggs, this is too much. Like, they don't have any uh, training or any kind of, like, real adult, real adult mindset. They're just, like, man children, basically. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, they point out they need mommies just as much as the Lost Boys. Exactly. Um, and so the thing about the clocks is this. I think that um, in the same way that Jack had a clock on him, I think that all the kids, for some reason, I guess due to the time period, they all just had like a pocket watch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or some kind of clock that helped them to keep uh, track of time because it was something that they uh, they had basically as a metaphor because something that they always had they they were they were just positively made of time right time never ran out for them so they always just had a clock just to be like we have all the time in the world but then when they went over to hook they surrender the clocks because uh. their time belongs to him so every pirate had a clock at one point yeah. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all about the kisses. So the reason they give thimbles oh, as kisses. Yeah. All about, all about the, the kisses. kisses. Uh, the reason they give thimbles as kisses instead of actual kisses is because that's kind of like the safe way to show I like you. But once you actually kiss someone, that's when you like, quote, lose your innocence. I guess that's why whenever he kisses Moira and Tinkerbell's at the window, she knows like from that point forward, he's not going back to Neverland. Wow. Um, Like, and even if he did go back, he would start aging. He would become a pirate. Um, So they should have called this never been kissed. Ho ho. Drew Barrymore is Tinkerbell. (laughs) Hey, I'm just like, you know, I've, like Peter, I mean, come on! Like, I drink poison for you, so you know we should like hang out. That was my flawless Drew Barrymore impression. That was good, and You're everyone, welcome. you should have. It was more like the visual interpretation of it. Like you just became <laughs> Drew Barrymore in your face. <laughs> good. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> It's a shame that couldn't be captured. Yeah, it shows the wrong impression. Uh, just, just imagine me nailing the impression. Yeah, yeah man, you do a great Drew Barrymore face impression. <laughs> I was trying to interpret the movie uh, from the angle that... Oh, so the movie's called Hook. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we're with Peter. So what is it about Hook that makes him the title character? And so I was trying to interpret it as there being a, a larger influence of Hook that we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those abilities that we talked about earlier was his psychological hold on people. Mm. Um, and then interpreting the movie as this is what we're seeing from Peter's point of view, um, but it's not necessarily what's really happening in Neverland. So the idea that um, Peter was um, going to leave Neverland, but he ended up staying. And as he was fleeing to to leave, that's when his house got burnt by Hook. And it's also when he put him in a, in a sleep. So um, basically, Peter went uh, back, saw old Wendy, saw Moira, kissed her, came back, was going to pack up all of his stuff, but had started the aging process because he kissed her. Mm-hmm. But Hook put him in a sleep for so long that when he woke up from that, he was actually older. Hmm. Um, and that this is everything that we're seeing, but like people don't recognize him. He's kind of been hidden away. It doesn't make a ton of sense, 
but there are there are details in there where they talk about like this is the point between awake and asleep and when he looks in the, in the pond he sees his young reflection and so it's like well how old is he really is he actually as old as he seems to be um is this a dream is this a trick that hook is playing on him hmm. um there are just certain clues throughout there, and I, I haven't quite figured out how they all fit together, um, but I, I think uh, I would challenge the audience to help with that, to yeah. help piece it together with other headcanon. Um, yeah, cause, well, and you mentioned that the, the pilot's voice is Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. so there are influences of Hook uh, in the outside world that could be because Peter never made it back to the outside world. Ah, now that makes sense. He forgot everything, but he aged because of that kiss, but he aged in Neverland. Mm, yeah. But he's the only adult who didn't become a pirate. So why would Captain Hook do this? Well, if he had Peter Pan age to the age of a pirate, then he could actually convince him to become a pirate himself. So it's possible that those scenes when he's trying to influence Jack to become a pirate... Mm-hmm. that Peter doesn't actually have kids because he never made it back, we're seeing Captain Hook try to influence Peter to become a pirate, uh, which we see some of that fear early on when uh, Maggie Smith says, Peter, you've become a pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being just the, the worst thing. And so he's uh, trying to avoid that draw towards the pirate life while also finding his identity with the Lost Boys again. Yeah. Huh. That makes for a really sad ending, though, because it means once he like wakes up at the base of that statue, that he's actually back in the sleep. Um, mm. Because Captain Hook, they say that he got eaten. He more disappeared. Um, like he comes, the, that crocodile comes down straight on him and doesn't make any kind of movement. And if Captain Hook was just standing there, he wouldn't have been ingested. So he's just kind of like gone. And so you start to see the dream slip away, and it's immediately after Captain Hook told Peter Pan, you know this is all a dream, don't you? You're going to wake up, and all of this won't be real, and you're just like this disappointment, and goes in on all that. So the ending is basically Peter in his happy dream, but he's not actually awake. And that's why he gets those glimpses of Smee, and he can still see Tinkerbell, um, because it's it's this weird blend of awake and dreaming. So what you're saying is that the kiss thimble was his totem. Exactly. Boom! Connected. Ah, <laughs> oh. Christopher Nolan's hook. So, how do you get to Neverland, Grayson? A second star on the left, and straight on till morning. Yes. Or is it the right? It's the second star to the right. But what about oh, that left I, star? That's how you you end up in Albuquerque. <laughs> well, here's my theory. On the second star to the left, a similar thing happens. It's uh it's a land filled with like uh lots of jungle, still a very highly intense world, but it's a place where you get sent to. <sighs> a place that you get sent to where it's not so much that you never grow up. But you can never go on until the next player makes their move 
it's Jumanji. <laughs> and other headcanon, bringing in Spielberg worlds, those aren't stars, those are suns, because that's Tatooine. You're welcome. Those are distant suns, and Tatooine, like right next to where Tatooine is, because Tatooine has two suns. Oh. Yeah. Because George Lucas and Spielberg were tight. Yeah. So, this takes place in the same world as Star Wars. Wow. We have really convoluted this whole premise. (laughs) And we know from Star Wars that E.T. is part of the Galactic Council, which is also Spielberg, Uh. which also had Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Uh. Never been kissed. (laughs) All right, uh, now we're going to go into the segment called uh, Sequel or Remake. We've seen tons of Peter Pan stories, right? Right. But you know a story I've been waiting for for about 25 years? Hmm. Rufio. I want them to do a Rufio origin story. Like, and it takes place completely in Neverland. We never see Peter Pan because it has to take place after Peter Pan left. I would right. love to see a Rufio movie. Dante Bosco would be, um, I mean, I'd love for him to, <laughs> I I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like, you know how in Spy Kids, or not Spy Kids, like uh, in Little Man, the Wayne's Brothers movie, where they had Marlon Wayne's head like on a super tiny little baby body? You assume too much. <laughs> I basically would just want them to, okay, like in Captain America, how they like mm-hmm. put, um, Chris Evans' oh, yeah. body on like a, a smaller person's uh, frame. I want them yeah. to do the same thing with Dante Bosco, just because I love him as Rufio. Like his performance as Rufio is so great. Yeah. I would love for Dante Bosco to just be just the whole budget is blown <laughs> on just oh, like man. remapping his face <laughs> onto just so, a little kid's body. So, but think about the problem we talked about earlier. The technology advanced and you can start to see the special effects. Can you imagine 25 years from now and be like, it looks like his face is detached from his body. I need it to be done. I would like to see the hijinks of Smee adapting to modern day London as a street sweeper. (laughs) What happened to all the jewels? You know, did he... Waste it all? I would love to see the sequel where it just Hook vacations in, in, on Earth. It's it's like Hook's day off. He's like, ah, me. Every kind of every every six months, I just need some time to myself. So he just goes out. Your face looked exactly like Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> I do spot on <laughs> facial impressions. I would love to see more of the... Because I know they recently did, like, a pan. Like, basically, like, a prequel to, like, how did Peter get to Neverland? And how did all these other things come to be? I never saw that version of it. Uh, It was Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I would want him to play a young Hook, even though I think he played a young Blackbeard. Yeah, he plays Blackbeard. So instead of a Hook, he has these um, claws that come out of his hands. (laughs) much scarier than just one hook imagine taking on six of those babies <laughs> yeah that'd be uh that'd be quite the challenge i mean makes sense he never ages 
Oh, now, now I really want to see that. All right. So, Grayson, we're going to go into the segment where we give our reasons to recommend. Grayson, why would you recommend this magical film? As I said before, it's a great time capsule for uh, Robin Williams, one of his um, more versatile and touching performances. Um, he's had so many from Goodwill Hunting, Dead Poets Society, uh, and this is one that um, the whole family really can take part in. And other than Aladdin, I would say this movie is one of my first um, exposures to the work of Robin Williams, um, that and Mork and Mindy. So um, I would recommend it for Robin Williams alone, um, but it also builds out the world in a really interesting way um, that I think just sparks imagination. Absolutely. I think for the first time, maybe ever, I really, really related uh, to Peter Panning um, a lot. Oh, yes, absolutely. So when I watched it as a kid, I saw Peter as like my dad. Mm-hmm. Like my if my dad did that, that's what it would look like. Yeah. Uh, watching this now, it'd be like, oh, no, I would be in that position trying to save my kids if I had kids, but it's uh, totally flips the script to see it later in life. Yeah. Because especially like as an adult, like you, I think I just became more aware of just like, Oh, well it's not just like work that he's just doing. It's like, he sees that as like, I need to do this because as an adult, this is what I have to do. Uh, Not even have to, but just like, Hey, as an, like I'm trying to be the best adult I can be. Um, versus uh, Peter Pan, who is trying to be the best kid he can be. It's like, listen, I'm going to be like, I'm never going to grow up. Um, or versus, I'm oh, I'm growing up, and that's all I'm focused on doing. Um, it's interesting. Um, or, or going back into recommendations, I'd recommend it because, um, especially from the perspective of being an adult, you start to understand. Like kind of like what I said before, like finding the balance between both um, and finding the balance between, you know, play and responsibility, because ultimately um, it was the harmony of both like Peter Pan being um, or Peter Panning being lighthearted, but also being determined, like, I'm going to rescue my kids, but I'm going to show them that it's okay to play and have fun. Um, and I, I just, that moment just really resonated a lot with me. So I'd recommend it, especially if you haven't seen it, uh, since you were a kid, I highly recommend it just because of the size and scope of the world that they build, uh, without computer graphics or with, without a ton of computer graphics. That is, uh, it's just so much fun to see this, this world that they build from a book. It's a, a novelization and it's just fun. It's a ton of fun. And Robin Williams um, and all the actors, um, but especially Robin Williams um, in this piece, gives so much of a gift to this film. Because um, I remember this movie just meant so much to me as a kid and was just a huge part in me just imagining more and playing more. So if you're looking for that, hook will hook you in. Okay. <laughs> well, you brought up a good point, though, that um, he is this 
man that has a childlike sensibility. Mm-hmm. And even as young Peter Pan, he discarded all these responsibilities and really was kind of reckless, mm-hmm. which is why he needed Pepper Potts to kind of ground him. <laughs> wait, wait a second. You're right. Tony Stark is Peter Pan. Let's go straight to the I top. am Peter Pan. <laughs> Just hold a conference. <laughs> I am Peter Pan. I am Peter Pan. Never gonna grow up from Neverland. That was really good. Thank you. You did that just now. Yeah, and my face did the perfect impression of a, that guitar riff. You look just like <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> that does it for our review of Hook. Let us know what you thought of the movie on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of our review on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review letting us know uh, what our review would be imagined as like what what dish like this is like this review is as good as an imaginary pie to the face or like this was as good as a bowl of brussels sprouts (laughs) yeah if you really like brussels sprouts (laughs) exactly those things And now we have uh, an Instagram. Uh, we are at Flashback Flicks there, too, because we're consistent. Uh, and we are actually going to start announcing what movie we will be reviewing next. Uh, we're going to shoot for every Wednesday. So follow us over there. And uh, where we will be reviewing the back to school movie. So you're saying we'll find out what back to school movie we're watching this week on Wednesday, but you can hear the new episode on Friday. That's correct. Just making sure I understand. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, follow us on Instagram to find out what movie we will be reviewing next right here on the flashback flicks, retro movie podcast until next time. Remember to be kind and rewind.